If you're with me, repeat these words after me. Say, Father in heaven, thank you for this word. It is your personal love letter to me, and I receive it. It is the absolute truth, and I believe it. It's the answer to my questions and the answer to the world's issues. Lord, today, my ears are ready to hear your word. My heart is ready to receive your word. And I, by faith, am ready to be a doer of the word in every situation. In Jesus' name. Now, Father, I pray the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be pleasing and acceptable. In your sight, O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Today, let me only say what you have me to say, and let me only do what you would have me to do. We ask these things today in the name of our precious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and everyone who agreed shouted, Amen. Amen. And as you sit down, you can open up your Bibles, please, to the book of Matthew. Last week, we started talking about... Finish the sentence. Last week, we started talking about... Teach us to pray. Oh, dear Lord, it's the 21st century. Teach us to pray. We need to know how to pray. We need to know how to pray. All right, before we start, let's talk about it. Who stayed up for the game last night? Or the molly whopping, better known as the destruction of the Broncos. Never have I seen a team break down so quickly other than last night at the Broncos. Love Tim Tebow, though, right? What a great guy. What a great guy. You know, uh, I'm going to tell you the truth. I don't believe in bandwagons. I've only jumped on one bandwagon, and that was the Patriots bandwagon. When I was your age, I was a Steve Young. Yes, baby, that's what I'm talking about. 49ers, Steve Young, Jerry Rice, two of the best players in NFL history, arguably, arguably. But in my opinion, two of the best players, Jerry Rice, best wide receiver ever and invented by God. And, you know, that was, that was back when I was a teenager. And so now they're gone. So I'm a Patriots fan because I live in New England. And, uh, but I'm not a bandwagoner. So, yes, I love Tim Tebow, man. He does some great stuff. Did you guys hear about what he does? It's so, a great guy, man. So, lesson from Tebow last night, right? Lesson from Tebow. I'm going to give you all the lesson from Tebow. This is how Tebow, Tim Tebow lives his life. Whether I win or whether I lose, God gets the glory. Whether I win or whether I lose, God gets the glory. Watch him carefully. He was disappointed at the loss, right? Was he not? He was disappointed, but did you see him hang his head? In fact, at the end, when, they were, when he was running off the field, after he greeted Tom Brady, he had a smile on his face. Because you know what Tom realizes? Tim realizes, rather? <laughs> By the way, did you see that? Two similar names. Two quarterbacks. <laughs> different ways to play. I'm like, guys, for real? Two similar names? Tom and Tim? Who wrote this? A five-year-old? Are you for real? That was the lamest intro to the football game I have ever seen. But Tim walked off the field knowing that life is more than football. And I want to tell you that. Listen, that's the lesson from Tim Tebow last night. Life is more than football. And Tim knows there's going to come a day when his muscles aren't going to work that they used to, his bones aren't going to work the way that they used to, and he can't be out there take those hits anymore. And he'll have to do what is called retire. And when he retires, he'll still be making the name of Jesus famous. And that's what your life is all about. That's what Tim's life is all about. Let's make the name of Jesus famous. Whether I fail in the world standards or whether I succeed by the world standards, I make the name of Jesus famous. Isn't that what we're made for? That's what we're made for. So let's do that. That's the lesson from Tebow last night, okay? And uh, let's get right into the word that God has for us. By the way, did you see the focus on the family commercial? John 3.16. My jaw hit the floor. I was like, I, I, was, I was so silent. Miss Jennifer was sitting on the other end of the couch doing something in her iPhone. She's like, I can't watch the game. It's too tense. She's on her iPhone. And she stopped dead. 
to look at what I was, because I was so dumbfounded. I was like, this is awesome. More commercials like that. Little kids reciting John 3.16. Wasn't that awesome? That was so cool. I was just like, oh, that's, praise God. He's so cool. I love it. So last week we started talking about prayer. Let's get into it right here. Matthew chapter 6, verse 7. Matthew chapter 6, verse 7. Let's read together. When you get there, say, I got it. Okay, Jesus is speaking. And he says, when you pray... Do not use vain repetitions like the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father, everyone say Father, Father. knows the things you have need of before you ask him. In this manner, therefore pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Teach us to pray, Lord. It's the 21st century. Teach us to pray. We need to know how to pray. We are living in the last days. I'm going to say that again. We are living in the last days. I don't mean the world's going to end in 2012. Let me just clue you in on this, all right? I know some of you get scared because the Mayan calendar ends in 2012 and all these different things. Well, go and research. If you're really that concerned about it, go and research the way that their calendar system works. It just means that it stops and then it goes back to the beginning again. That's all it means, okay? So we've made a big deal out of nothing, okay? Forget the movie. The movie wasn't even that good anyways, right? I heard it was kind of lame. All right, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Just saying. I heard it was lame. There's a message. Here's the message I want to give you. The world is going to talk about the end of the world to create fear in you. But God wants you to know, he told us through Jesus, that no one knows the day. There's only one who knows the day, and that's God. Do you know that Jesus, the Son, and the angels, they don't know when the day is going to be. But we can agree that we're living in the last days. We're in the 21st century. Who knows when Jesus will return? But one thing we know is he will return. And because he's returning, we need to know his voice. We need to be ready. Jesus said, you better watch out. <laughs> that doesn't start right. Better not. <laughs> Jesus said, you need to watch because I'm going to come like a thief in the night. And that means you need to be watchful because I'm going to come when you don't expect it. And we need to know. But if we're sensitive to the Spirit... We will know when the time is coming. Jesus said you'll be able to tell by the season. And we'll be able to tell. So how are we going to develop our spirit? Well, that's what we started talking about last week. We need to develop our prayer life. And I want to ask you, learning last week that you can come before God as a child and you can recognize him as father, did that help anybody in their prayer life? Did that change the way that you came to God? Anyone say that, that changed my prayer this week? I didn't, I didn't come before God. No, didn't help anyone. Didn't help anyone? Did it change the way that you saw God a little bit? Okay? Yeah. Change the way we see God. We see God as a father and not necessarily as like a mean master trying to get us. We see him as a father. The other thing that Jesus tells us right here in chapter 6, verse 9 of Matthew, he said, our father in heaven. Very good. And heaven is a place that is not bound by the resources of this world. See, Jesus is trying to get you to think. Don't think that God can't meet your need. Don't think that God doesn't see. Heaven is a place that sees everything outside of the span of time. Heaven is not bound by time. God can look down. Think about how awesome your God is. God can look down. He doesn't even have to. He just knows. Oh, this is so cool. God can simultaneously see everything going on at the same time and yet minister to every need of the several billion people on this planet. That's how big your God is. He's got the whole world in his hand. He's got the whole world. 
in his hand. You know why kids have so much faith and they believe God can do anything? Because we teach them to. He's got the whole world <laughs> in his hand. And then we get old like us and we start to realize and start to think, well, maybe God can't meet my need because we've forgotten. He's got the whole world in his hand. God is that big, that big. And that's what Jesus is trying to get us to see. What I want to talk to you about this morning is the second line. I'm going to call it chapter 6, verse 9c. 9c says, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now, help me understand, because you guys are all Bible scholars, what, is, what does hallowed mean? You got it, Nelson? All right, you're just stretching. That was really a stretch. I was like, he, he's got the answer, and he wants to give it, man. Hallowed. Miranda. Holy. holy. Very good. What else does hallowed mean? What does holy mean? Do you know what holy means? Do you know what holy means? Becky? Say again. Mm, not really. Keep going. What, is, what does holy mean? Okay, watch this. Now, holy means set apart. Everyone say set apart. Fancy word for set apart is consecrate. So holy means consecrate or set apart. Watch this now. Jesus is saying set apart the name of God. Oh, we're going to get there. Set apart the name of God. Before we get there, I have a question for you guys. If you're like me, you wonder, maybe you don't wonder, but maybe you have wondered, why is it when people want to swear, this is, it just dumbfounds me, why is it when people want to swear, they choose to take the name of the Lord in vain? It doesn't make any sense. It's like, wait a minute, why are we taking the name of the Lord in vain when we swear? What's the point of that? Why is it that even atheists will take the name of the Lord in vain? Do you ever, just think about how stupid that is. It's like, I hate God. I don't believe in God. And yet, <laughs> follow me. What they're saying is they're taking the name of the Lord who doesn't exist in vain. Okay, so why do we take the name of the Lord in vain? Does anyone ever wonder, like, why is that person, why is that person saying it? I wonder about that all the time. Why are they saying that? Why are they? See, the Bible teaches us that God is the author of everything good. Who's the author of everything bad? Satan. So we, it would be more appropriate when something bad happens to say, Lucifer, Satan. Wouldn't it be more appropriate? Lucifer, Satan. When's the last time you heard that? You heard it for real? So she's got it right. Because, see, this is what I'm trying to say. God is the author of everything good, right? Satan is the author of everything bad. So it would be more appropriate for us to say, Lucifer, Satan, when something bad happens, than to take the name of the Lord in vain. You see, but the reason why even atheists will take the name of the Lord in vain, watch this now, what they don't realize is that there's power in that name. There's power in that name. So when they take the name of the Lord in vain, see, watch this now. The enemy, your adversary, the devil, Satan himself, has got the world so confused that they would take the name of the Lord in vain. And what they're doing is they are removing the power of that name from their lives. Watch this. What's another word for swearing? Cursing. Or if you're in the South, they call it cussing. 
I heard you cussing in the back car yesterday. Mm-hmm, sure did. Sure did. Right back there in the back seat, you was cussing. They do. Up here in New England, we add R's to everything. In the South, apparently, they take the R's away. It's cussing. Cursing. No cussing. So I guess in the South, they call it cussing. But, yeah, another word for a swear is a curse. We can all agree, right? Well, what's the opposite of curse? What's the opposite of curse? Okay, watch this now. So when somebody takes the name of the Lord in vain, because Jesus said, hallowed be your name. We're trying to understand what this means. When someone takes the name of the Lord in vain, they are removing the power from that name because they're cursing. They're cursing that name. But the truth is, God sits in heaven. He can't be cursed by man. Man is so, you know, small. You can't curse God and you can't curse Jesus. You know what you're doing? When you take the name of the Lord in vain, you are cursing yourself because you're removing the power that God put in his name from your life. And that is why the enemy will have even the atheist take the name of the Lord in vain. Because he's removing the power from that name in his life. You see, we don't understand this. And in fact, even when we come to Jesus, some of us are missing the power of his name in our lives. Because we've cursed his name before. We've taken it in vain. We've removed the power from it. I just want to show you just five scriptures how powerful just the name of the Lord is. Just the name of the Lord. Jesus said, hallowed be your name. That means set apart. Set his name apart. Consecrate. Make his name holy. So go to the book of Proverbs. I'm going to show you just five scriptures. Show you how powerful just the name of the Lord is. Proverbs chapter 18, please. We've got it up on the screen, so it'll be quick for you guys to get there. Many of you know this, but let's read it in, in light of what we just talked about. When you get to Proverbs 18.10, just shout out, I got it. Okay, here we go. Proverbs 18 says, the name. Says what? The says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. Did you read the same thing I read? Is that what it says? It says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. Okay, we're talking about how powerful the name of the Lord is. Go over to the book of Mark in the New Testament. Mark chapter 16, verse 17. I know, I just made you flip back to Old Testament all the way to go back to the New Testament. Isn't that great? That's awesome. Mark 16, verse 17. There's power in the name. So if the enemy can get you to curse the name of the Lord or take the name of the Lord in vain, he's getting you to remove the power of that name from your life. Watch this now. Mark chapter 16, verse 17. Are you there? Say, I got it if you're there. Okay, Jesus is speaking here, and he says, and these signs will follow those who believe in my, you fit it, in my what? In my name. Watch this now. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. In my what? There's power in the name of the Lord. There's power in the name of the Lord. Next scripture. Why don't you go to the book of Acts? Just two or three books to the right. Luke, John, and Acts. Why don't you go to Acts chapter 4, please, verse 12. Talking about the power in the name. This is a good scripture to know. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. When you're there, say, I got it. Okay, here we go. 
nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name. There's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Say it with me. There's power in that name. There's power. Are we experiencing that power? Are we experiencing the power in the name of the Lord? Last scripture. Here we go. Book of Philippians. Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, and our friend, the Philippians. Go over to the book of Philippians chapter 2, please. Philippians chapter 2, verse 9. There's power in that name. I think one of the greatest scriptures ever written. I say that about every scripture, but this is just so awesome. Philippians chapter 2, verse 9. When you're there, say, I got it. Okay, remember Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, and Philippians. Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 says, Therefore, God also has highly exalted him. Who's him? Yeah, you need to understand, Jesus. And given him, Jesus, the name which is above every name. That at that name of Jesus, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, that every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The reason why the enemy wants people to take the name of the Lord in vain is because he removes the power. When you take the name of the Lord in vain, you're not cursing him, you're cursing yourself, you're removing the power of the name of the Lord from your own life. Because here's the truth. If he can get you to curse the name of Jesus, he can get you to remove that power from your life because the Bible says that even the demons know that he's Lord. Did you read that? It says everyone in heaven, everyone on earth and under the earth will bow. Okay? You need to get this image in your head because the day is coming when that name of Jesus sounds that not just all of earth, but every head will bow in heaven. Every head will bow, every knee will bow on earth. And even in the depths of hell, fallen angels and demons and people who didn't accept the Lord will bow their knee before the one who stands over all creation. There's power in that name. The enemy wants us not to hallow the name of the Lord, not to set his name apart, because he wants us to miss out and remove that power from our lives. So we said, let's go back to the book that we, Matthew, let's go back to Matthew. Thank you, Lord. Go back to Matthew. We're going to read it again. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9c. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. When you're there, just say, I got it. Again. Again. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 says, In this manner, therefore pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We said that hallowed means holy. We said that hallowed means to set apart. Well, here's what I want you to understand. That word hallowed also means, watch this now, to set apart in your mind. It means in your mind, mentally. Mentally set apart God in your mind. Mentally set him apart. Make his name holy in your mind. What does that mean? That's what Paul talks about when he talks about renewing your mind. Because too many of us in life right now, we all walk around with an invisible mirror in front of us. Most of us in life right now are walking around with an invisible mirror in front of us, and we listen to everything that mirror says. That mirror is not just a physical mirror, but because it's an invisible mirror, it not only sees how we look on the outside, it sees who we are on the inside. And because we look at that mirror, we get our self-esteem, we get our self-worth from what that mirror says. 
If the mirror says you look good today, you feel good. If the mirror says watch, watch when you walk in the room, everyone's going to watch you. You're going you're to feel great. You're going to watch when you walk in the room. If the mirror says you're, you're no good, God, God couldn't love you. Look, at you just sinned right there. You, you just messed up. God couldn't love you. He couldn't take you back. We live our lives based on what the mirror, that invisible mirror says to us. But when we set the name of the Lord apart and when we make his name holy, what we're doing is taking the focus off of us. We're breaking that mirror and not getting seven years of bad luck. We're breaking that mirror and we're not walking around with a mirror anymore. We're walking around with a magnifying glass. And the magnifying glass isn't pointed towards you. The magnifying glass is pointed towards heaven and towards him. And you're magnifying him. And you're not looking at yourself. You're not worried about what it is that you've done. You're not worried about how it is you know that you may feel. You're magnifying him. Hallowed be your name. Set his name apart. Make his name holy. And when you do that, when you make his name holy, you're lifting his name up. And instead of cursing his name, you are blessing his name. And when you bless his name, you make that power available in your life. You're magnifying him. Now, Jesus said, hallowed be your name. Now, that word name in the Greek is not like you and I understand name. My name is Kurt. Your name is Joshua. You know, we, we all have different names. It's not that. It's not what it's talking about. That word name means authority and character. That word name means authority and character. Let's build this this phrase again with the two words we know. We said hallowed means to set apart and make holy. We said that the name means character and authority. So Jesus said set apart his character and authority. You know what he's trying to say? We've already, we've already acknowledged he's our father. We've already acknowledged where he is in heaven. Acknowledge his character and his authority above all put the power back into his name. We put too much power into how we feel. We put, put too much power into what's going on in our lives. We magnify our circumstances. And what Jesus is saying is magnify the one who created all things. Set his name apart above any other name. Make his name holy. And when you get the focus off of you and you put the focus on him, you put power back into that name. And that's what Jesus is talking about. Set apart his character and authority. In other words, there's no one like him. There's no one like him. There's no one like him in all of creation. He's the only one. The second thing that Jesus teaches us here is really the attitude in which we should pray, and that's the attitude of worship. Hallowed be your name is sort of like a phrase that you really begin to enter into this attitude of worship. Hallowed be your name. And what worship is, is you're, you, yes, you're thanking God. There may be like three steps to worship. You bring, you bring that thanksgiving for what God has done. You begin to praise him for who he is, but then you move into real worship. And that's just putting your focus on him. And that's what Jesus is talking about. Put your focus on him. It's an attitude of worship when you come into prayer. How many of us go before God? <laughs> I asked you this last week. The majority of us, if, we're not, if, we, if we haven't learned what Jesus taught, the first prayer we pray, usually every day, we get, if we're going to pray, usually the first prayer we pray is, oh, Father, please forgive me. God, please forgive me. If we can just acknowledge he's Father, we get that far. Father, forgive me. I, I did this. I did that. I did this. I did that. How many of us know what I'm talking about? The first, the first thing out of your mouth is all your sins you've committed. You, you pull out the list out of your back pocket. Oh, I had that thought. I had that dream. I said this to my mom. You go through all that. Jesus does talk about confessing your sins and getting forgiveness for your sins, but do you know where he talks about that? In verse 12. He didn't talk about that in verse 9. 
there's a process in which we should pray. Many of us start off by confessing our great sin before God. But you know what you're doing? When you go before God and the first thing you say to him is, forgive me for my sin, you're putting your sin above him. You're saying that your sin is greater than him. Because God accepted you and took you in, the Bible says, while you were still a sinner. But yet we come before God and we think, I'm not good enough to talk to him unless I get my sin off my chest. Jesus didn't say that. He said, come before him, acknowledge him as your father in heaven, and then begin to bless his name. Begin to make his name holy. And then he said, okay, you know, ask for his will to be done. We'll get to that. You know, the daily bread. And then, then, ask for forgiveness for your sin. Then, we need to change the way that we come before God. The first thing we do in the morning is not confess our sin. The first thing we do in the morning is begin to set his name apart. Make his name holy. Make his character holy. Make his name set apart in our lives. And when you do that, he becomes bigger than your problems. He becomes bigger than your sin. He becomes bigger than the things that you're facing. I'm telling you, because I'm doing that in my life. I used to come before God, and before I would even talk to him every, every day, Father, oh, Father I, I would know he's my father, but the first thing I would say is, Father, forgive me. Father, forgive me. I'm, I'm so sorry. I did this, that, and the other thing, and you go through this whole list, and by the, time, by the time you get done, what happens? Either it's time to get up out of bed, or it's time to go eat breakfast. It's time to pack up for school. You haven't had any time just to worship him. Jesus wants us to come before the Father with an attitude of worship, and that's what Hallowed Be Your Name is all about, making his name holy in your mind and in your heart. Paul writes to us in the book of Romans chapter 12 and says, Brethren, don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed in your lives. In other words, be changed by the renewing of your mind. And Jesus tells us how to renew our mind by magnifying him instead of magnifying our issue. So for me, I've had some great struggles in my life that I've had to overcome. I've had many things that have debilitated me. I've had many things spiritually, many, many curses that I've accepted, many sins that were addicting. I've had those things so attached to me, and I didn't know how to break free from them. Seriously, I did not know how to break free from the things that I was addicted to, from the things that I was stuck to. And my, how I saw myself was based on how I, the things that I was addicted to. So even though I loved God, I was constantly in this state of battle because I wanted to love God and please God, and yet... I felt like I was so unworthy because I was still stuck, addicted to these things and not having their power broke in my life. And the only way, I'm going to tell you right now, the secret is, the only way to have the power of those addictive things broken in your life is not to focus with the magnifying glass on the problem and ask God to what, what to do about the problem, but to take your magnifying glass and to put it on God and to begin to focus on Him. Because as you focus on Him, you're going to get your focus off of you. And, and, and as you get the focus off of you, God can begin to heal and fix that which is broken. Here's my point. Check this out. How many of you have ever had a, a little paper cut? Those things hurt, don't they? If you focus so much on that paper cut, you can almost feel it pulse, right? Have you ever had that feeling where it's like pulsating? Yeah. yeah, what you've done is you've just put the focus on it, so all of a sudden it becomes so big. And if you're like squeamish like some people are, your fight or flight system happens like that. So as, the moon, as, the, as soon as you feel that pulse, you're going to just like pass out. You know, and that's the whole point. If you hyper-focus on the little cut that's there, it's going to become really, really, really big to you. But if you take the focus off of that and just think about putting the focus on the right thing, maybe the right thing is going to get a Band-Aid and put some ointment on it. But with God, the right thing is to put your focus on Him. Get your focus off of whatever's going on. Get your focus off of whatever it is you're struggling with, that addictive behavior, that thing that you can't break. Get your focus off of that and put your focus on Him. 
hallowed be your name. Set apart is his name and his character and his authority among all the earth. Here's the whole point of today. God is big enough. He's big enough for whatever it is that you're facing.